Hey everyone, my name is Yaro, and you're listening to the DIY Small Business Podcast. I'm sending really sleepy love from my bed to yours or to your home, wherever you're listening, within your home. I hope you're home, <laughs> in case you haven't gotten that yet. <laughs>、um, yeah, I don't have a ton to say, I think, today, but I felt like sharing this interview because I left the conversation with Wendy May feeling. Inspired and a bit uplifted, and that was really lovely. So, I hope you might feel the same after listening.、Um, Wendy has a lot to say around regenerative purpose and really building a conscious, intentional business.、Um, she's also an Enneagram teacher and a human experience designer, so, it's coming from lots of different, interesting, and exciting angles. And something that I really appreciated about talking to Wendy was that she found a way to articulate.、Um, The possibility and the, the beauty of, of shifts、um, collectively on a global scale without spiritually bypassing the grief and the hardship and the uncertainty and the fear that can come with that. And I think that's really hard to do. We recorded this more than a month ago, and I just want to acknowledge that the world was feeling like a pretty different place then. And I had not yet really found a voice.、Um, Which is something that I'm really still in process and then will be for a while around articulating this complexity between really wanting to speak to a new way of being in the world and things that we're hoping for, and at the same time being present with what it is right now. And I think that's really important to me.、Um, I'm back on Instagram at the moment and I'm really excited to connect with people and to see what people are doing and sharing. And also sometimes I feel. A little bit annoyed by bypassing、um, or an oversimplification of things. And my feeling at the moment is that I want to dream of the future and I'm really excited. And I really think that if this is not going to radicalize us, what is? And that makes me feel hopeful because I think that there's a real kind of surge in engagement in, in, in political causes. And that's incredible and beautiful. And also, I think. That for me, it feels like a really important priority right now to keep the most vulnerable people as safe as possible and to really make sure we're, we're listening and prioritizing voices from the margins that, are, margins that are most affected right now. And that's disabled people, people with chronic illnesses, fat people, poor people, older people, people who already have been really isolated. So I want to acknowledge also that. Being able to dream at this time is a privilege, and that I'm really grateful to have the space and time and energy to even have these kinds of conversations because I, I know not everyone can have them right now, and many people are struggling on much more basic levels. and I want to do what I can to, yeah, to, to kind of give voice to as many different people as possible and to, um, Yeah, not bypass anything in this moment. So that was a little waffle just to speak to the complexity of, yeah, of having these conversations.、Um, but like I said, it's been really beautiful to speak to Wendy, and I'm really excited to read her book. And I really, yeah, her words have really resonated with me. And I was just now speaking to my part of the conversation where I'm just acknowledging that. I'm still finding my language and my voice around this, and I'm grateful for your patience in that process. 
Um, yeah, also a quick update. The Embodied Business Community is open for enrollment at the moment. And I've decided to change the pricing structure quite a bit because that feels good right now. Last year, I had decided that I would um, kind of ask people to book a one-on-one -on -one session with me as they enter the community. And that made it a bit more expensive, but it felt good because I liked really welcoming people individually and helping them map out a strategy and a way to work through the program, which is really comprehensive and big, but also you can go at it in your own time and, and pace. But right now, it just feels more important to keep the financial barrier as low as possible. So I'm also offering it without a one-on-one -on -one session for $24 a month um, for 10 months. So it's 10 payments of $24. And you can find out more in the link in the show notes. But basically, you get everything but the one-on-one -on -one session with me. So you get access to the community on Mighty Networks for a year. You get the monthly group coaching calls, the monthly themed workshops, um, the quarterly business planning. We now also have workshops on building a business in crisis, in times of crisis that are regular. And we have a co-working space, which I'm really excited about for the first time this month. So yeah, if that sounds interesting, go check that out. And thank you so much for listening. Hey, everyone. I'm really excited to welcome you to another interview episode. As you know, I feel really lucky with the people that I get to talk to. And today isn't any different. I'm speaking to Wendy May, who's doing really beautiful work around regenerative purpose and stepping into our businesses with more intention and a, a kind of more connected approach to the bigger picture of our lives and our values, which I really love. And when he has approached me, um, I haven't had a chance to read her book yet, but I'm really excited about it. Had a look at it already. It's definitely very high up on my list. And I have a lot of exciting questions. So thank you so much for being here, Wendy. I'm really excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited as well. Yay. I would love to start by grounding the conversation, asking you where you are in the world right now and what nature is like around you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on a tropical island in the south of Thailand, my adopted home. It's uh, called Koh Phangan. It's probably most famous for these uh, full moon parties, but uh, I'm, I'm part of this kind of uh, international community here of kind of seekers and healers and teachers, and I guess you could call it a conscious community in a way. And I've been living here off and on for the past five years, and now starting to really call it my my home, my adopted home, even though my my family roots and ancestry are from a different place. But yeah, I'm in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Can you maybe also tell us a little bit more about your work and how you came to do it? Oh, wow, this is like, uh, it's mysterious, huh? Like what mm -hmm. happens in life and when you look backwards on it, how things unfold and just the meaning that you put on it, kind of looking in the rear view mirror, which I think going into it, maybe I wouldn't have really understood it that way or described it in that way. Um, I mean, now what I'm, I'm toying with is like, uh, it's so funny, these labels that we put on ourselves, huh? but I've recently started to call myself a purpose path light, huh? because I was like, oh, am I a coach? Am I a guide? Am I a facilitator? I don't really know. Um, but what I'm really feeling, um, that resonates with me now is that purpose is sort of my it's my path in terms of how I'm guided what I choose to do with my life energy and my 
time, money, energy, attention, all of that. And it's also what feels like um, it's my role to help others also to uh, come into alignment with that. So I've been calling myself this purpose pathlight. And the book that you mentioned, Regenerative Purpose, was um, really a crystallization, I think, of a lot of concepts and ideas and different downloads and uh, patterns, really, that I was recognizing in the work that I was doing, which originally it was really just, I got out of corporate life about five years ago. I left kind of this very, um, yeah, kind of traditional quote unquote successful life and really went out into the wild unknown kind of void of, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. And, um, you know, I sort of found my footing in that. And what I started to do was, uh, what I called transition coaching at that time was really just reaching a hand behind me to mostly women who were attracted to work with me to help them also kind of break out of this, um, uh, I guess in a way like this patriarchal hierarchical um, system and to choose a different path. And only now years later, looking back on it, do I realize that the theme, the golden thread through all the work that I was doing with women's retreats and one-on-one coaching and writing and speaking, it's all been about purpose. But um, to be honest, when I started doing it, I wouldn't have known to name it that. It's only become obvious to me as I start to put together all the pieces that I'm like, oh, wow, what's the common thread? This is all actually about purpose. It's about how we're showing up in life um, as a embodied, you know, human being incarnated, but like with a soul essence that's shining through that has a particular, um, yeah, has a, has a reason to be here and to understand how we connect with that and like sort of get out of the way of it in, in a sense, right? Like we undo the programming from society so that we're actually available for that. That's mm-hmm. what kind of became apparent, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love your thoughts on the labels that we choose and how those things sometimes, yeah, really mysteriously unfold over time. And I think there's a really interesting dance or a balance to be found between claiming certain words because they're useful and they help other people identify with us or decide whether they want to know more or work with us. And then also, on the other hand, not being too attached and leaving space for evolution and change and language for language to change as well because I think the words that we've used 10 years ago have a different resonance and meaning now and so yeah that's interesting isn't it absolutely Mm -hmm. I would love to hear a little bit more about why you think so many of us are stuck around our purpose and you know how how that's showing up for people and yeah, just, just kind of the bigger picture of the times that we're living in and how you see that being connected to people struggling to find their purpose. Yeah. I mean, I think um, more and more of us are aware. I think you have to be pretty checked out to not realize that we're in a massive period of transformation, death, rebirth, and all of that happening right now, right? So, I mean, I think on a very... Um, cosmic kind of cellular level we understand that we are going through something really big in this moment in terms of the history of humanity so i think 
more and more people are kind of coming to this question about purpose, right? So it's this idea that, okay, there's a lot of things from the old paradigm that are dying, decaying, collapsing, and we're in this sort of void space, right, in between where we're not quite in the new thing yet. And there's this kind of impulse or um, activation or desire to want to be part of creating this new thing, right? There's this kind of natural uh, human desire that we want to be in this creativity, in this flow, that we want to participate in life in a way. Um, and we're just sort of in this cycle. And I think um, the reason that it's difficult is because, you know, this is not an easy moment for anybody or any life form in this cycle of death and rebirth, right? So it's like there's this frustration almost, I think that people feel like there's something very pregnant, you know, in the air right now where we are in this transition time, this change times. And we all wanna be a part of that, right? This is kind of our like will to live in a way. It's like, we wanna have meaning, we wanna have purpose, we wanna feel that we're participating in this global movement that's happening. and because we're still kind of carrying with us the conditioning of the old paradigm, which is super individualistic and scarcity and fear and competition and me, me, me and mine and all of that. It's like we have a lot of unlearning to do in order to be able to actually embody what the new earth or, you know, the new paradigm is. So it's like on a collective level and an individual level, we're kind of navigating this death process, huh? Really, leading into death and not just um not just accepting it and allowing it which i think is one layer of that it's sort of surrendering to what's happening and like not clinging to the old thing but actually stepping into it moving towards it actually kind of in a way pursuing death almost as like there's this thing i write about in the book about when death becomes the mission you know so this is the moment where you know, we talk about ego death and we talk about these kinds of um, moments of uh, letting go and things like that. So that's just happening on, you know, what I see is that's just happening on a massive level, like collectively. And that's, there's a lot of pain and grief associated with that. So the work we're doing is not easy, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. Yes to all of this. Um, I did a death doula training last year because I was interested in, confronting my own feelings around death and the difficulty with that and I can really kind of yeah it's been really helpful I think to reflect on these things and I can see why we can be so avoidant and how we really just don't have a lot of practice around grief I don't think that we are confident to say I've grieved before I know what this is like I know a loss is part of life and transformation is inevitable in some level and I'm ready you know I think that mm. that takes real courage and I also think that there's a real fatigue at least I feel it sometimes um <clears throat> about around doing things differently so mm. I see the value and the beauty and going against the stream and I'm committed to it and I really you know like yeah I think that all of my work that I do is really a deep commitment to questioning and allowing for those old structures to fall away and to dream together with other people about how things can be difficult. And Mm -hmm. also sometimes, and we were just talking about the Mercury retrograde and how it's ending tomorrow and the full moon. And also sometimes I'm exhausted and I 
there's a small part of me that misses that time where I was just like floating down the river with the masses, you know, and <laughs> just kind of like did my day job and didn't question things so much. And yeah. I don't want to go back to that place. I really don't, but also I'm sleepy. <laughs> I totally so, feel yeah. you. Wow, sister, I totally feel you. This is like exhausting, huh? Like mm -hmm. it's not easy to choose this way. Um, and I guess, you know, if I would have like a message of comfort for, you know, those of us who are actually choosing to engage in this and are courageous enough to show up and have this will to participate in the global, you know, transformation and movement that's happening now it's like the comfort comes from knowing that you're not doing it alone mm -hmm. right so it, it, in a way it's like the the what and the how need to come together to be congruent because it's like the kind of the same way that um we have to start to see that death is not opposed to life but that death is part of life it's the same with exactly the feelings that you described that it's not bad to feel tired or exhausted or frustrated or angry or sad or that actually like all of that is part of it huh? and it's a beautiful part to allow and to give space for and I guess you know when I talk about regenerative purpose there's a lot of different dimensions to that one is this like cycles right embracing the cycles of life and understanding that death is part of it huh? and letting go of the forms that we create from purpose and not being attached or identified with oh this is my purpose i'm going to put it on my website and it's now branded on my business cards and this is what i say to people when they say what do you do i can proudly kind of proclaim my <laughs> title and my label of like this is what i do this is my purpose you know it's like mm -hmm. okay then it's becoming another ego attachment in a way but being able to be more uh fluid with it in a way you know, so it's like, it's a different dimensions kind of, I think, of the same process. And what gives me comfort, I think, when I feel tired is knowing that actually it's not up to me to make my purpose happen. Mm -hmm. And the way that I talk about purpose in the book is that it's not a form. It's not a, a goal or an objective. It's not singular also. It's actually in relationship, you know, that we have this idea that my, my purpose, right? So like we have this language like you said about it's really subtle but most often you talk about you talk about my purpose or your purpose right there's this kind of ownership of it that's individual um but if you see purpose as like a frequency or more of like a flow of energy then it's more like purpose is just happening huh it's kind of flowing with or without you and you can step into it more or less but in a way all of the massive shifts that we're seeing happening in the world they're happening on a scale that's like beyond us, right? The intelligence that is guiding us is way beyond any of us individually. We can recognize it, tap into it, tune into it, give our power to it, but it's actually not up to us. Like I can just basically take a vacation and the movement is still moving, you know, <laughs> with or without my energy in it. And so the best thing for me to do is actually to step back from it when I'm exhausted so that I can replenish myself and really really be in it with my full presence when I choose to participate instead of kind of doing the new thing in the old way, which is this like pushy energy, this like I have to, should energy, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, <clears throat> that's beautiful. And that makes so much sense. I really want these words to echo 
in my body this week, I think, as I'm feeling a bit exhausted to remind myself that I do have choices and that it is really so much bigger than you and me and my dog and my home. <laughs> and that there's this big community around us that really are interested in the same things and that there's beauty in this exploration and it's okay to not know exactly what shape that's going to take um, yeah. next week or these next few months. So thank you for saying that. Um, I would love a little bit more to, to, I would love to expand a little bit on the concept of regenerative purpose, because I think mm. the word regenerative is really beautiful. Like I'm so excited about it when I hear it. I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> but mm -hmm. also I think the way we're using it is a little bit new and maybe some listeners are not familiar. So I would love to hear a little bit more about what it means to you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, uh, it's one of these things that's sort of trendy now, right? Just like purpose <laughs> is sort of trendy now. And I think with anything that kind of makes its way into the mainstream lexicon, there can be a lot of um, different uh, nuances and definitions or interpretations of that. So that's a good question. I think, hmm, for me, regenerative has many different, um, I guess, qualities to it. I mean, one of them I already mentioned, which is this idea that it's cyclical the idea that it's not um it's not a linear uh straight logical path that you you start at the bottom and then you reach the top and then you arrive and then you're done mm -hmm. it's a cycle you know it's kind of a never-ending process um it's a it's a spiral in a way or it's a circle it's a cycle and you kind of go through different phases or seasons of it where you're in incubation and then you're in this kind of creation phase and then expression and then integration reflection and it's it's really moving through all the different seasons um in a cyclical way i think the idea of regenerative also to me it's it's about being in harmony with nature and, and recognizing ourselves as part of nature right so part of um part of that i think what's really um a bit toxic i think about the old paradigm is this addiction that we have around perpetual growth right which is totally hooked into this like consumption mindset and um capitalist economic system so regenerative regenerative to me means that death is just important as birth decay is just as important as growth and it's um rebalancing in a way it's not that growth is bad but we've gotten way out of balance in terms of the focus on perpetual growth or the addiction to perpetual growth and having economic systems that actually rely on perpetual growth like we're really trying to build something where the systems that we create on a human level on a community level on a global scale mirror the cycles of nature in the sense that death and decay are just as much embraced as part of it as the birth and the growth part, right? We tend to be biased towards favoring that part, right? But we're mm -hmm. severely out of balance. And this is why we see so much um, pain and suffering in terms of like on an ecological scale, right? So that is also a huge part of it, this like connection with our own nature as part of nature. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've been nodding my head along as you were speaking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would <clears throat> also love to know a little bit more about what the creative process of writing your book was like and how these ideas have come together for you. Oh, yeah, this is um, also a bit magical, huh? Like, it's really funny because 
before I actually wrote a book, I had a very strong opinion about myself that I'm not the kind of person who writes books. <laughs> and I had to kind of let go of that concept of myself in the process of birthing a book, you know, and it was really one of these things where, you know, how you talk about, um, you know, getting divine messages and things like that. And it was really one of those things where I kept getting these messages to the point where they were so loud and they were so frequent that they were so in my face that I couldn't ignore them anymore. And um, I mean, it's hard to summarize like all the different synchronistic kind of things that happened and signals to came, that came to me. But, you know, I had someone from my past from, you know, 12 years prior who I hadn't spoken to in forever contact me and say, have you ever thought about writing a book? And that was sort of the first seed. And then I met somebody who had just written a book. And then I met somebody who was a writing coach. And then I met someone who was starting a publishing company. And I <laughs> met somebody who was hosting a writer's retreat, right? So all of a sudden, this just became my reality, right? It was just showing up in every, like, it was just in my face, you know? And so I finally said, kind of, with my, like, conversation to the universe, a bit like, okay, I hear you. <laughs> I got the message. I am going to write a book. And my first step was actually to commit publicly to that, which to me looked like a Facebook post where I made myself accountable to the collective by declaring out loud in public to the ether, basically, I'm writing a book. And at that moment, I was like, I have no clue how this is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's something powerful about simply committing to say, like, I'm going to do this. I don't know how. I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm not sure if I'm going to be successful. Maybe I won't actually complete it, but I put out this intention and that started to attract um, people, resources, information, opportunities. And, you know, then it was sort of, um, there were stops and starts along the way. Like, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, it was just this magical flow. No, there were some really dark nights of the soul in the process where I was like, I'm not going to make it. Or, you know, even like I had sort of, um, book aside all thoughts in the sense that like I had moments where I was like, I'm going to basically delete all the files. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to quit. You know, like I can't do it. It's too much, you know? And so for sure I had severe moments of self doubt and worry about people judging me and just writer's block, you know, like a month where nothing was coming out. And I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm not in the flow anymore. Maybe it's just not happening and I need to give it up, you know? And I had to actually, get to the point where I was willing to give it up in order for it to start flowing again, you know, this whole paradox. So it was quite an initiation into the whole creative process. And in a way it was me embodying a lot of the principles that I talk about in the book. I had to live in the process of birthing the book. So it was kind of happening on a meta level that I was living the principles in the book as I was writing about them. They were kind of coming into my own reality as I was doing this project because I had to basically live the teaching of the book as I was offering it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so interesting how that happened. Huh? <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> totally. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I also know that the Enneagram is a big part of your work, and I would love to hear a little bit more about that. I will also frame this question by telling you a little bit more um, I, well, I will come out with my type in a moment <laughs> and I would love to hear yours as well if you want to share, but I sure. have known about the Enneagram since last summer and um, yeah, I, I um, was a bit skeptical if I'm honest. I hadn't considered myself someone who's really into personality test type of things before mm -hmm. that, um, but when I did my test, um, 
and work with someone called um, Jessica Hughes, who was, has also been on my other podcast. Um, it really just came together beautifully and made a lot of sense to me. And um, I think what I needed to learn was that it's not about making a judgment on myself as a whole person, mm -hmm. that it's really about um, discovering the, the kind of like the, the things that my, my desires are grounded in, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then I was like, oh, wow, yes, this is a really useful concept to think about. And it really helps me to reframe a few things that I keep running into my life um, as a tool. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear how you came across it and how it's part of your work now. Yeah. Um, my boyfriend in university gave me this book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was like you know, 20 years ago. I was first given this book and that was my first exposure to it. And I think my understanding of it at that time was more on this personality typing psychology level. Um, which was fun in a way. It was interesting, right? It was nice to be able to recognize myself and start to feel not so alone in my distortions and dysfunctions to say like, oh, like this is just a, a flavor that I am and there's lots of other people like me and somebody actually wrote about my deepest, darkest, darkest secrets in this book. So it's actually like, it's not me, you know, like, so I had this a little bit of a, I guess, awakening moment of like, oh, like not taking my bad habits so personally. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was also a bit fun to kind of like go around and, and type your friends and, you know, this kind of thing. Right. But, um, the way that I use it now is a bit different, um, because there's many layers to it. Like I would talk about the Enneagram as being useful, um, for different stages of your personal journey. Right. I think the first stage is what I just described, which is this recognition, you know, there's comfort of knowing like I'm not alone in the way that I struggle and the way that I suffer. It's, it's not unique, right. I'm not especially deficient or defective in some way. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's the recognition stage. And I would say the next part is then liberating yourself from that. So my Enneagram teacher, his name is Russ Hudson. And he's one of the, the authors of this book that I mentioned. And, one of the things that he always says is that um, the Enneagram is, it's not about um, showing you what box you're in so that you can live and die in that box. It's showing you the box that you're in so that you have the keys to get out, mm -hmm. right? So it's not about taking this on as another badge, another identity, um, another label that you kind of use it to excuse all your um, patterns, right? It's like, okay, you see the patterns, but the point of that is so you can choose something else, right? From, a, from consciousness that you can choose something else and you understand that this is what's happening and you can hold it with empathy. Like, okay, this is just my ego. It's doing its thing, but not to push the ego away either, right? So he would say, my, my teacher would say like, it's about, um, you know, from perspective of source or perspective of essence, ego is, they don't, essence doesn't have an opinion about the ego, basically, right? The mm -hmm. ego is not good or bad. It's just something that's happening and you just, you watch it. And from the space where you're the watcher, space opens up where you can make a different choice, right? So that's the next kind of layer is this liberation from the pattern. And then the final stage, which is, I don't know, maybe a bit esoteric or conceptual in a way, but um, I'll mention it anyway, because I feel like 
you, you probably will get it and probably a lot of your <laughs> listeners as well. The last stage is, um, is integration, right? So it's like we learn about these distinctions of these nine types to first recognize our humanity. And then we use this as a tool to kind of get free of our fixations and our identifications with concepts of this is the kind of person I think I am. No, actually, it's not really my true identity. It's just a pattern that's playing out and I can actually choose something else that's not that, right? And after you move through that stage, then you come into this like true freedom of like, actually, I'm not one of these nine types. I'm all of them. The potential for all of them is in me. And actually, like, I'm just part of this human mandala in a sense of like, yeah, we're not all the same. We have different flavors. We have different um, imbalances or whatever. We have different gifts to offer. We have different limitations, different challenges, different life paths. But as a whole, as a collective, when you're connected with community, that is wholeness, right? That like actually when we're in connection with other humans as the fabric of humanity, that's complete. Like it includes everything. And maybe as an individual, you know, body bounded being, you feel certain things are missing or whatever, but then we come to that wholeness when we're connected in this community, right? And so that's the integration stage where I'm all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not in this kind of dissociative way of like, oh, oneness and, you know, unity, but like from a mind perspective, but really understanding that I am whole and I'm also part of the whole, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on Depending on which level you're looking at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for illustrating that further. That That's beautiful. And I really recommend anyone who's interested to check the book out that you mentioned and learn more about the Enneagram because it's really insightful. It can be really powerful, I think. Um, You also mentioned the idea of creating intentional economic ecosystems. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you speak to that a little bit more? Um, And how is that? Yeah. How do you envision that for small business owners? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, we have limited resources, right? As, humans we have limited time money energy attention and these are all the currencies that we trade right with our life force with our life energy and i think one of the things that's shifting now is that we're becoming much more intentional about where we're spending those currencies and i would say we're shifting from this like uh, disconnected way of sharing and exchanging and investing and um, spending those currencies and coming into a space where we're more connected. So meaning that um, we kind of went to the super far extreme of like everything that I want is available with the touch of a button on an app on my smartphone, but I have no idea who is behind that, the human who is actually behind food showing up at my door when I touch an app and like, some transaction happens with my credit card and then, you know, some guy whose name I don't even know gets on a bicycle and drives across town and delivers the food to my door. And I don't ever see any of the humans behind that whole process. The people who designed the app, the, you know, whatever the interface is, it's just like so many invisible actors in that kind of idea where I can just be in my flat in a city and get all of my needs met without ever touching another human. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we've realized the, <laughs> the downfall of that in a way. And so when I talk about intentional economic ecosystems, it is understanding, like, if I buy this, and it's super hard, right? It takes a lot of energy to research 
a lot of these things, but it's becoming more aware of if I spend money on this, what is that actually supporting and does it align with my values, right? And the way to make that less taxing is to make those decisions more locally, right? Mm -hmm. So if you know the person that you buy your vegetables from, you can be more sure maybe that there's not pesticides and you know the land where they grow the food. And, you know, this is kind of in an ideal state. I think there's different degrees of that, right? But it's just this idea of like coming back from this super extreme of like, I'm actually spending my currency of time, energy, attention, you know, all of my human resource, right? My life energy in ways that I have no idea what it's actually supporting, right? It could be supporting, you know, child labor. It could be supporting, you know, and ethical mining practices, it could be supporting, um, you know, toxic farming practices or whatever, right? And so coming back from this, like, ah, oh, I just push a button and things come to me and I have no idea where or how it gets there, to mm -hmm. actually being intentional about, I'm going to use the currency that I have in a way to support the kind of world I want to see. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that means investing in people in your local community who are doing and providing and sharing and offering the things that you need. Uh, and maybe it means it's more expensive, actually, like on a literal economic level, it might, the price tag might be higher, but um, you don't have all these kind of other hidden costs, right, that you don't see. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. I think these are beautiful examples. And these are things that I've been thinking a lot about, too. I moved to Scotland last summer. And living, I'm living in a much smaller village now. I used to live in Brighton, South of England before. And I can connect really with the people here that I buy things from, like the farmers mm -hmm. and the small vegetable shops. And it is a little bit more expensive. And I really don't want to um, dismiss the fact that that isn't accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes things like disability and, and, and access really... Um, make it beneficial for us to have those kinds of buttons and say sure. you know I, I'm meeting this meet and that's okay um, but I'm also really seeing the the hidden cost um, that you were talking about that are emotional where I'm noticing in myself that this really kind of unconscious consumerism where I sometimes got into the habit in more stressful periods of feeling like, oh, okay, like something is missing here. I feel mm -hmm. almost like an em emptiness inside of myself. I'm just going to push these buttons and maybe buy some herbs or um, get some supplement because I feel like there's something to be fixed. And actually, I think really feeling more grounded in my local community here and looking people in the eye and hearing the stories um, behind the things that I'm buying has been a much more sustainable and and beautiful way of filling this kind of emptiness that I was feeling mm. inside myself, right? And I think, and I think that there's also um, when we're building a small business and we are kind of creating, trying to create these these more human interactions, and we're looking someone in the eye, be that on a free feeder call or on Instagram, where we're saying I'm offering this thing and this is what it costs. It can be really awkward because we don't have much practice around this, right? Because we're so used to having these super anonymous transactions, um, where there isn't any sense of no negotiation, and where we're not really thinking so much about the value about of something or how it's been made or who made it and how and um, yeah. And so I think, yeah, that's that's super interesting. And I'm really excited about 
all of us practicing practicing this in small ways at first and then in bigger and bigger ways and really growing this confidence and feeling the healing of yeah. um yeah the human bringing the humanness in back into trading with each other yeah and it's not always about buying things either i mean i mm-hmm. just had it just brings to mind a situation that i had earlier this week because i'm getting ready to record my audiobook and mm-hmm. one of the things i needed to set up the recording studios i needed to have a, a tablet an ipad i don't have one i just have my phone in terms of electronics and my laptop and i needed something that could be fixed and stationary that i could read the book from and my initial impulse was i need an ipad i have to buy one mm-hmm. right and like 24 hours later i thought but i only really need it for this one project and i'm probably not going to use it that much afterwards do i really need to have another device you know mm-hmm. like in the cost of that like you know production shipping and taxes and all this stuff and I just I put a request out to my community and said does anybody have a spare tablet that I could borrow for a couple of weeks and within 48 hours I have three tablets (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. it's like wow and it's just like changing your mindset about having to have your own everything right Mm -hmm. really understanding what is actually the need that you have and is it something that you can meet in a way that is not buying something new you know Mm -hmm. that you can borrow it or get a used version you know there were a few people that were like yeah i have this tablet just lying around it's been sitting in my drawer for months you can just keep it as long as you want maybe i Mm -hmm. I don't ever need to have it back even you know it's like Mm -hmm. um yeah and i think it's just this idea also that um it's two things right so like i talk about in the book that abundance has two faces right that it's a movement through us and it has two faces which is gratitude and generosity, right? So I think it's important to activate both of those things. So it's, it's one thing for me to think, oh, I can ask for what I need and it will be provided. That's the receiving end. But, you know, to kind of put energy into that from an outflow, I need to also notice what can I give that's costless to me? Mm-hmm. You know, so I went away for a week um, on a trip a few weeks ago and I had a friend staying in my house for free because it was costless to me. I thought, I'm not going to be in my house anyway. It's only for a week. I don't want to have some stranger staying in my house. So I can give this for free, actually. It's easy for me to, to give. It's actually kind of an excess resource in a way that I can turn into something of value for someone else. Mm-hmm. It's actually costless for me to give, right? And you talk about nourishing economic ecosystems. It's also Um, attention economy as well, right? So I think about that when my friends who are small business owners are sharing my social media posts or vice versa, right? It's something that's effectively costless to me. If somebody is doing something that I like, I like what they're offering, I like the way that they're doing it, and I share something of theirs on social media, that's also giving, right? Something that's of value to them and is effectively costless for me right? And to be mm-hmm. generous with those kinds of things, because we support each other and lift each other up with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. And it's so beautiful. That's a really, really great example. Thank you. Um, before we go, I would love to hear what you're wishing for us collectively in 2020 um, in small businesses, um, but also more generally just for creative people who are interested in this kind of work. You know, the first word that comes to mind is gentleness Mm -hmm. because we are in this really intense cauldron, 
right now. And I think that it's really um, not just self-care, but community care, right? So it's, it's less, again, the same mentality of like, I don't need to take care of everything myself, but that we're caring for ourselves and each other in community, in connection. And that we need to be gentle with the process because what's happening now in the world is intense. Huh? We need to take rest. We need to take a time out. Like, I think a lot of us are feeling exhausted, right? Because it's a huge burden of responsibility that can accumulate over time of like, whoa, what we're doing is really big, huh? And it feels really heavy. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you know, and just to be able to put that down, you know, and I talk about responsibility, not in the traditional sense of, you know, having a obligation or a, a duty, but response ability in terms of just the ability to respond and the way that we um, take care of that is actually by having enough rest and Mm -hmm. not getting so depleted right and managing you know the overstimulation and in a way blocking out signals that aren't meant for us right we get a lot of noise right we get a lot of information that's actually not instructional in terms of it doesn't give us anything we can act on so then what it does, it just drains our energy and it gets us into fear and, you know, actually it's pointless, right? Mm-hmm. So being really able to manage our energy leaks in that sense of really kind of blocking out things on some level that aren't serving us to serve. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. What a beautiful note to complete on. Um, I would also love to know what you're currently offering and where people can find you. I um, I do a lot of different things. I teach about the Enneagram. I do individual sessions and um, couples sessions around the Enneagram. I also offer uh, purpose alignment coaching, right? So using the principles that I talk about in regenerative purpose, I help people to really examine their relationship to the four sort of purpose qualities that I talk about in the book, which are authenticity, attunement, responsiveness and receptivity so really um, doing a deep dive into opening up those qualities to allow the purpose to flow Um, and part of that is also um, creative emergence space managing space and clearing and cleaning space so that the purpose can flow and uh, learning practices like hygiene around those things basically for cleaning and clearing and also Uh, devotional decision making so I do a lot of coaching around um, yeah I would say purpose alignment Um, and then I also hold retreats for women more deep dive immersions that are a week long Um, I don't have one on the schedule yet for this year but there may be um, soon so that's also something that I do Um, yeah and I hold women's circles um, locally as well as online for different organizations. Um, Yeah, and I'm really, really passionate about spreading this message of regenerative purpose, right? So I have written the book. Uh, The next step is the audio book, which will hopefully be available soon and doing more interviews and um, saying yes to speaking engagements to really share this message and just spread some of this. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I think your voice is beautiful, um, as is your message. And I'm really excited to share this interview with everyone and to read your book and to also see where your book is going to travel in its new audio form and all the things that you're 
yeah, doing and that are unfolding for you this year. So thank you so much for making time, Wendy, and for your sharing your wisdom and inspiring us and um, sharing with us what's happening behind the scenes in your business as well. It was really beautiful to listen to um, mm. your stories. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>